Alrighty, Rare Petro audience, welcome to another episode of the Industry Leader Spotlight. Of course, you're probably listening to this, but if you didn't know, we do these on YouTube as well. You get to see the guests, make that personal connection, and there's great visuals. So go ahead, check it out, but I won't talk any longer about that. Today, I am joined by Matt Showalter. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. Matt Showalter is the executive chairman at Iron IQ, a cloud-based SCADA and advanced industrial Internet of Things control company. The Iron IQ system is a modern cloud-based platform that can be used for automation, asset tracking, security systems, water management, and other industries utilizing IoT. Matt has a strong background in creating value through innovative software and technology services and experience as a founder, CEO, and board member across the software and industrial technology sector. Man, you, you really do it all is what it sounds like. <laughs> well, it probably looks better on paper. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. And then the way we start this out, we got to ask everybody, how did you get involved in the energy sector? Or did even the entrepreneurial story start before you were involved with energy? Um, yes and no. So... Uh, I actually worked for a couple of years uh, before attending uh, school there in Golden and uh, got into a, a software company um, and always knew that uh, I had kind of a passion for geology, um, ended up meeting with an advisor uh, at the School of Mines there and uh, he really steered me toward petroleum. Um, in the sense that it, it, at least at the time, was uh, a very employable uh, career path uh, while still getting to enjoy a lot of the geology classes that I was uh, looking forward to. So that's kind of was the beginning of the, the interest in the energy industry. And then from there, I mean, sounds like a pretty typical story. Young Minds graduate finds something they like to do. How did you breach into the uh, the leader space? I imagine you started working some standard positions, but then when do you think it changed that you became, I don't know, a little bit higher in the food chain, if you will? Sure. Yeah. So um, it really was a result of, of timing. So uh, right out of school, I worked for a reservoir simulation software company uh, and spent about two years doing that. And then that was really at the, the peak of the initial dot-com boom. Um, and so I got lured away uh, into the world's first web conferencing company, which uh, was a great ride and a lot of fun. Um, but as you can expect, the, uh, the bubble that, that burst shortly thereafter uh, made me think quickly about, you know, what to do next. And uh, still being young enough and, and not having a whole lot tying me down, I thought it was the, the right time to take the plunge and, and go for, you know, the entrepreneurial path and a, a great family friend and partner uh decided that you know we could team up and and start a company together which uh strangely still wasn't in the energy industry uh it was purely uh, a software play um and and uh as that one you know matured over the years it, it really you know you kind of get a different perspective i guess becoming uh the entrepreneur and and going down that path of what it really takes to build a company and, and uh, going from there, I guess, uh, led into um, a, a sale of that business. And um, I've always had in the back of my mind that desire to get back into the oil and gas sector specifically. Um, and uh, basically after we exited that business, uh, we started up uh, another partner or partners of mine uh, started uh, Iron IQ and, and really got back in full fold to the energy side of things. 
Mm -hmm. And I feel like that carries us all the way from the beginning to about now. Can you tell us a little bit specifically about what Iron IQ does? Yeah, sure. Um, so we really are, you know, if you think about the uh, pre-IoT terminology, really the world was called SCADA, right? Anything that was remotely monitored or controlled. Um, and we've just taken that to, you know, a, a modern uh, system by today's standards. So it's, you know, cloud hosted, um, real-time data, and uh, it's really become more than just monitoring and control is, is today you have to create these efficiencies by workflow automation and, and workflow optimization. Uh, and so we've really focused on, on that component. Um, everyone has to be so efficient anymore to make a profit in this day and age that uh, uh, it, you really have to take it from a holistic viewpoint and, and knock down a lot of barriers as well. Historically, those systems have all been really siloed, difficult to access for, for any kind of outside system. And, and we've just said, gosh, let's make this data open and available to all these other systems and, and other platforms so that uh, you know, we can knock down barriers and just create efficiencies everywhere we can. Yeah, I like that. So it's just to be clear, it is not centered exclusively in oil and gas and other energy sectors, right? Correct. Yeah, we do have some customers in in water, um, uh, some dams and irrigation districts and things. And I think the the writing's on the wall across really all the industries. We've got the technology now to uh, save a, a ton of money and become more efficient and, and increase margins at the same time. And so, uh, you know, we we feel like there's probably the biggest opportunity right now in oil and gas and energy. Um, however, we uh, are, are delving into a number of different industries. Mm -hmm. And then as always, for those of you listening and watching, I will include links in the descriptions, put it up on the screen here because I'm sure there's something iron IQ can do for you. But for the next question, you've been out of school a little bit longer than me. How has this downturn compared historically to the other ones you've seen, or is it pretty similar across the board? You know, I see it really differently, um, I guess, as a historical reference point. Um, so I graduated in the late 90s. Uh, my beginning of my senior year, oil at the time was under $12 a barrel. And, uh, you know, I think inflation adjusted that puts it at about 18 or so. Um, so we were one of the first classes in a long time that really didn't have that great placement rate. Uh, mm -hmm. It was kind of more like 50 percent. Um, I was one of the fortunate ones because I had that sort of software background and, and I wrote C++ code at the time uh, where I was, I was fortunate enough to get work uh, writing code for a reservoir simulation software product. But, um, you know, I think I always had the feeling at that time that it was a temporary problem, uh, market driven, everything was going to come back and it, and it did, you know, and it's kind of cycled through over the years. Um, I feel like now is fundamentally different because with the, uh, I guess growth in the shale uh, sector, uh, it's, it's created a, a huge amount of, of hydrocarbons that are available. Um, and as prices go up, production will go up. And then you've got these other competing forces, other major oil exporters um, that can produce at a significantly lower cost than we can here in the shale side. So uh, I think that'll always kind of bring that price back down to, you know, in that $50, $60 range kind of, you know, at, at the top before market forces start recorrecting. So mm -hmm. um, I think that the days of, you know, hundred plus dollar a barrel oil are probably behind us. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's really the main difference I see today. Definitely. And I like how you mentioned that. I mean, at that point it was $18 a barrel. So hopefully we can get through this and we shouldn't be complaining with 45, 50. 
just got to stay <laughs> yeah. positive and work through, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then what is Iron IQ doing to try and uh, weather the storm, if you will? I mean, clearly this has affected more than just oil and gas, everything that's been going on throughout 2020. Glad to be drawing to a close on the day of this recording, but how is Iron IQ stood and taken the blows and maybe grown stronger? You know, I, I think really it's, it's uh, I don't want to say it's it's been a good thing, but in some ways from a business perspective, I mean, since we're in the automation side, it, it has created more demand. Um, uh, you know, at the same time, it's, it's created some challenges in the sense that, uh, you know, everyone's having to operate a lot leaner. And so when you're looking at historically, what would be, you know, a, a large CapEx kind of a purchase when you've got, you know, software and hardware infrastructure and all these things, no one wants to write a big check. And so we've had to be uh, flexible in the sense that we've really uh, adjusted our, our business model along the way to be more of kind of like, a, I guess, how you look at a typical SaaS company. Uh, but in our world, we've, we've had to include hardware as a part of that. And so um, in order to make it work for, you know, the smaller producers all the way up to the majors, um, you know, nobody wants to write that, that huge check just to get started. And so what we've done is, is we've altered our plan so that, you know, it's just a fixed monthly fee. Uh, we've had to set up some financing relationships to make that work. But, um, you know, being willing to adapt and change, uh, I think has helped us a lot. And the demand is certainly there. People want to become more efficient and they want to, you know, do all the right things, both, you know, from a, a capital standpoint and environmental and safety. And so it, it, you know, from all those perspectives, that's helped us. Definitely. And then once we get through this, let's say arbitrarily February, 2021 rolls around, everything's rainbows and sunshine. We've made it through the downturn. Do you think any changes will come for the industry? Will any policies change or will people go back to business as usual as we kind of see coming out of a downturn? Sure. Yeah, no, I, th I think there's some some changes that are here to stay. I think that there's an awful lot of pressure on uh, the oil and gas industry in particular. Um, you know, there's there's certainly uh, some driving forces um, that, you know, people in general want uh, clean energy and they want, you know, safe energy. And, and I think that you know, oil and gas has done a really good job and you'd never know it reading, I guess, the newspapers these days, but um, over the last, you know, 20 years, really becoming uh, much, much better on the environmental side and the safety side. And, and uh, you know, we've, we've brought actually all these pollutants way, way down. And, and I think that that'll continue. And I think that uh, the oil and gas industry will also be probably the main driver behind renewables as well. And, and I think, you know, there's no one answer for all energy needs. I think it's a combination of, of everything and, and, you know, natural gas has a huge uh, part to play in that. I think, you know, solar and wind will have some, some effect, although, um, you know, certain limitations there, of course. Um, and, and I think, you know, long-term <clears throat> nuclear, but the, uh, the oil and gas companies out there today are investing super heavily into how to transition because they're not just oil and gas companies, they're energy companies and, and they want to sell the energy that the world wants. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, and still be able to fulfill the massive demand uh, that's out there today and, and still growing. And do you think people's perception of oil and gas will hopefully change? Like you said, reading the papers today, even though the industry has worked well with CCUS and developing technologies, you wouldn't necessarily know it, but as they evolve into energy companies, is that going to help 
Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's certain, you know, evangelizing and even more more than evangelizing is, is education, right? To um, really get everyone on the same playing field as far as the, the understanding of the big picture. I mean, there's, uh, you know, on one extreme, you could say there's a group that says, you know, shut down all hydrocarbon production today and then the majority of humanity dies of, you know, starvation or freezing, yeah. right? Um, and, and then, you know, there's the, you know, other side, which is, you know, it's the only answer, but the truth is that, you know, we can always be better and, and still provide, you know, the energy for the world out there. And there's a, a, a number of, you know, I guess, examples in the media today or, or whether it's political or whatever else. But um, I, I think, you know, driving information like shut down all hydrocarbons and um, it, it really takes a bigger understanding than, than what's the negative effect of hydrocarbons. It's mm. what are the positives as well and, and how can we improve on that? Um, because the reality is, you know, food is not made in the back of the grocery store and electricity is not made in the back of the outlet in the wall. But <laughs> and, and really going down the path of where does all this stuff come from and how is it made and how do we take care of, of the humans on the planet today? I like that perspective. I always think more education can be the answer, but on the topic of education, I want to circle back. You graduated with a petroleum engineering degree. So in your mind, because I know you went on to work in things that weren't directly related to that. What, how do people use a degree? What kind of tool is it? Is it more of a stepping platform? Or is it really just proof that you are capable of learning whatever you want? Um, it's some of both, really. Um, you know, and I guess a good example is uh, <clears throat> when I, obviously, you know, studying petroleum and I, I got a, a job in that field right out of school, but, the, but that didn't last forever. And, um, and then, you know, going down the software path and, and having that background, I assumed that, you know, coming back in and building a, a software product for the oil and gas industry would be really easy, right? Because I've got all this software experience and I've got a degree in petroleum engineering. And the reality is that, uh, you know, what we realized really quickly was that without having, you know, people with literally boots on the ground in the field, you can't build successful software and, and you can't, you know, you can't be the expert at all things. You, you need help. And so we've really, you know, built our company that way where it's half a services company and half a software company, um, which I think has been a, a big benefit to us. But um, to come back to your, your original point, um, you know, I look at it as, as getting a, a degree, a technical degree, um, you know, you really could step into about any industry and you've certainly proved that you can learn, you know, difficult and complex subject matter uh, and thrive in it. So, you know, and, and I have a senior in high school right now, so I've had this conversation a lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, what's, you know, what are you going to pick? And the answer is, you know, how the heck would I know, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 18 years old and haven't really done anything yet. And, and you know, the end result is uh, at the end of the day, you know, pick something, uh, that you have some interest in. Most people are wrong when they pick that thing and they end up doing something else. Uh, but you've proven to the world that you have the ability to learn and you can take that a number of different places. Hey, all those young kids out there <laughs> listening, if there's any, that is wonderful advice and definitely something to live by. But for those who may be a little bit more advanced specifically in their energy careers, whether that's a sophomore in college or soon to be graduating senior or young professional with just a few years experience, do you have any advice for them at all regarding the current downturn and finding some way to stay afloat? Yeah, for sure. There's, 
Um, you know, first advice is if you ever want to grow your hair out, do it while you're in college. Because it might not always be there. <laughs> no, I did that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think uh, there's the way I would look at it is, you know, it's, it's not learning any one thing. Right. And, and especially today, it was less so, I think, when I graduated. Um, but today, especially if you don't have some, you know, software skills and, and whether that's learning, you know, a language like picking up Python or, or C sharp or, or the, you know, one of the open source, uh, you know, uh, coding platforms that's available is, you know, make yourself as diverse as possible. And I don't think you can really effectively do any engineering job today without having some software understanding, uh, because there are a lot of times you've got to pick up whether it's, you know, data that needs to be cleaned and it's just not, you know, possible to do manually in an efficient manner, uh, or, you know, talking with, true software developers at a higher level about, you know, what do you need uh, done within the software and how can that be done? You need to understand a lot more than just, you know, decline curve analysis. Mm -hmm. Hey, that is wonderful advice. I mean, we got to continue to evolve, stay modern, <laughs> keep up with the industry. Cause if we don't train ourselves with new skills, well then we do get left behind by those who are also doing it. But I believe that brings us to the end of the interview. Is there anything else you'd like to say really over anything, even just about iron IQ, if you'd like. Um, you know, I guess the, in closing, I, I would just say that if if uh, anyone out there has looked at, at SCADA in the past and, and said, gosh, we just can't come up with that kind of money or it's too complex or we don't want to build a team for that, take a look again. Uh, the industry's changed a great deal uh, and you might be surprised how uh, it could actually improve, you know, your overall uh, profitability and, and everything else. It's not... Uh, it's not the, the SCADA of old, the, the world has changed and, and it's all become much more efficient. So happy to talk to anyone uh, on that front. Mr. Showalter is correct. I would be absolutely shocked if you couldn't find something that Iron IQ could do for you to increase efficiencies or really just make the load easier. So again, I'll make sure to put up their logo, all the links you need to reach them. And I will make sure to include Mr. Showalter's LinkedIn profile link as well. So you can reach out to him directly. But again, that brings us to the end of the interview. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you follow. Make sure you subscribe because, like, like Matt said himself, people are moving forward. You don't want to be left behind. So join Rare Petro as we continue to modernize ourselves and learn more. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody. 